Have you ever looked at the plastic windows on an old Jeep? You know, when you have a vinyl soft top and you have those uh, windows that go all around it that are made out of plastic and that have been uh, sun beat and that I've also seen a lot of wind shear um, and therefore they become yellowed and scratched and stained over time so it's sometimes hard to kind of see through them. I used to have a Jeep a long time ago and after maybe several years I remember having to just put those down in order for me to be able to see clearly in the rain because they were so scratched and you have to get them replaced every now and again um, and when and if you are going to take them off you have to place them in a in a careful place because you do not want to scratch them because it can be very expensive but my point is if you ever looked at those uh, old scratch windows then you can think of what the dispensary of newspapers that I was looking at that day once I turned 18 back in the late 90s uh, what that uh, what that window would have looked like. You could sort of see into the inside of the newspaper dispensary, but it was hard to make out what's inside. I had turned 18 and I decided to go on these walks. I wanted to be away from my house. I wanted to get away from my parents. I just wanted to be an adult. And what that meant was getting in my car since I had just earned my license and just going for these drives and going to go check things out that were odd, neighborhoods that were not familiar or that I had seen on TV that I should go check out for the first time. Go see what actually 90210 was like. Go see the beach by myself without my parents telling me when and, when and where we had to go and when we had to leave. Uh you know, go to my college and spend all day there and dread getting back in the car, but nice to have a car to come back home to. I just wanted to be away from home, and so oftentimes I would go to a random place and just walk around, and on one day in East LA I found myself on an odd street just kind of checking things out, taking all the sights in, and I came across this row of newspaper dispensaries, and they had the usual, the Los Angeles Times, La Opinion, and then there was this one box whose window was really, really ratty, like I described a second ago. And as I got, got near it, I noticed that there was a super scantily clad girl right in the front of it. She was wearing a bikini, but even for the 90s, this was a very revealing bikini. And blonde, of course, my type. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, this is out in public. Anybody can see this. How the hell are they getting away with this? And so I inched further, I inched further, and started to look around to see, is anybody noticing that I'm going through it? I mean, I don't want to be considered a perv out in the middle of Whittier Boulevard. I'm not saying that I was on Whittier, but I, it's likely that's where it was. And as I got, uh, as I started to really approach the window and really squint to try to get a look at what was inside, I noticed these emblazoned uh, letters on the top left-hand corner that read L-A in yellow and underneath the letter X then P-R-E-S-S -S, L-A Express and then at the bottom there was this like big circle with, and, and within it there were more lettering that read, read meet exciting singles through our classified ads and I thought Holy smokes, what, what is this? Then 
I looked at the side, typically the slots where you would have to put money to get your LA Times back then. It was a dollar for even the Sunday issue, I think. And this thing was free. Right on the box, it said free. What do you mean? I can actually grab one? And so I, again, looked around and noticed that people were just kind of coming and going and they weren't a pension, you know, paying attention to it. And I figured, well, this is here. It's for everybody and nobody knows me. So I went and grabbed the greasy handle off the box, opened it up, and sure enough, there was a stack of the newspaper on there, and I grabbed the first one as quickly as I could, put it underneath my armpit, closed the box, and then started booking it for my car. And I thought, oh my gosh, what have I found? What is this? I, all of a sudden, I sound like Jack Skellington. What's this? What's this? I was so excited, and I got into my car, uh, started it, started, you know, put on the AC, and all of a sudden, I started leafing through this thing. And I remember that the stock of the newspaper was actually quite uh, thick and it also the whiteness of it was really really prominent it was really this crisp whiteness in it and so you would unfold these pages and they didn't like they weren't flimsy like some of the other newspapers the, the the daily periodicals these were like starchy looking pages and within it there was photo after photo of these girls with these big brown eyes and blue eyes and green eyes that were looking at you and they were posing seductively and underneath them there were all of the ads that read about hey looking for models or you know looking to model uh and it was just like just finding this smorgasbord of adult language and whatnot and i and i must have poured over those pages on end for at least an hour, an hour or two. I took it home and I stashed it away under my mattress. Uh, you know, and, and then a few days later, I came back to it and continued to read more. And all of a sudden, I realized that you know that there were phone numbers, typically two one three phone numbers with the extension two one three at the front, and that you could actually call these places. Now, mind you, I had no intention of ever actually going out with uh, with an escort or have an escort come to me. But I was interested of who were these people on the other side of the page? What did they sound like? What were the women actually like that would answer these phone calls? And again, this is the late 90s. Uh, so you could, you, the, the person actually answered. And I remember sometimes stupidly calling for my parents' phone and they would answer, I would hang up right away, but there was a voice there, and the charge of just hearing the voice on the other side of the telephone was exciting enough for me to like really get a, a tingle, for lack of a better term, out of it. And then once I discovered that once my parents read me the riot act about all these random phone calls that we were getting, that, you know, that were appearing on the phone bill, I decided to start calling, I, I know, I know, mind you, this was me at 18, 19 years old, okay, so chill out. But yeah, I would go to like um, a phone booth or you know a phone out in the middle of the street back when we had phones in the middle of the, in the streets, and I would call and, and, and try to have a conversation. And interestingly enough, sometimes you could. Again, it wasn't like it is today. Sometimes people just wanted to talk, and so they did. And the crazy part is that this is when new technologies were coming in, is that so they were starting to have caller IDs, and some of these people that answered a phone they actually knew that you were calling for a payphone they knew the extensions enough to know that you were calling from a payphone and so that was kind of creepy that they could like 
search you out. It was just this weirdness and wildness about, you know, the fact that this was this was what adulthood was like. Is that all of these things that were taboo? I mean, I, I I'm talking and I'm playing in the minor leagues here, but this all these taboo things that I could have access to now because I was an adult. I was. It was like it emblazoned something inside me of like, oh my gosh, I've as a male that has all of these hormones going through, this is a smorgasbord is available to me. Now I'm pretty chicken shit. I, I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, I wouldn't know, have known what to do with one of these people if, if we actually met. But just the ideas and the concept of like, oh my gosh, there's access to this world, that was exciting enough for me. I kept on pouring through some of the pages, and every now and again, whenever I found myself in the middle of that same street again, I would get a new newspaper, and I would stash these, and I would look at them. Um, and then I remembered that there were the ads and coupons for strip clubs, strip clubs around L.A. And I thought, well, I'm 18 now. I can go to these things. I, I can check them out. I mean, it's not good enough just to talk to somebody and hang up on them right away maybe I could actually go see one of these places and the one that I settled on after much debate in my head was a place called Deja Vu and the only reason why I chose it was because it was on Hollywood Boulevard which is a street that I knew uh, I wasn't going to go to any other weird places like Sunset Boulevard or La Cienega in, in, in near LAX. No, I was going to go to Hollywood Boulevard because I felt, well, at least I'll be around stars and, you know, the tourists. And so I sell on this strip club that after, that would, in, in the coupon was, it would let you in free during some, you know, early hours, like after three o'clock to like six o'clock or something like that, middle of the day kind of stuff. And I felt, figured, well, at least it'll be during the daytime. I'm not going to go anywhere near at night. I'm definitely not going to Hollywood Boulevard at nighttime because Hollywood Boulevard was not like it is now. Hollywood back then, at least the way that I remember, was kind of a seedy kind of place and it wasn't reinvented with all of the new stuff that you know, that it has now. It, back then, it had that 1970s patina. Think of taxi driver. You know how he's driving around and he's looking outside the windows and there's these all these seedy places and the marquees are all kind of sunbeat and weathered and they have you know letters that have maybe have fallen off or and have not been replaced and all of the neon lights or not neon lights but all the light bulbs that kind of flicker but not all of them are in sync and so it, it doesn't look quite right and on the ground there's this you know, mixture of piss and feet that have been walking around and throw up from the bars uh, and just all grease that has been accumulating over time and on the side windows you had all of the old vendors with like cheap t-shirts and stuff to draw you in that was just really you know overpriced shit I'm making sound terrible but it, it wasn't a most of the, the street back then in the Hollywood Boulevard that now you see on TV it wasn't this amazing place and then to some degree if you ever visited there you, you know what I'm talking about because outside of a few blocks it ain't all that um, so anyways I settled on, on on this one spot ripped out the, the coupon put it in my pocket went to you know my college in, in poor it took out about 50 bucks out of my very small bank account and I thought well I, I get to go in, in for free 
and I don't know what I'm going to encounter there, but I might as well have cash on me. And so I made my drive, and I remember looking for parking, and everywhere you had to pay, and that was, a, you know, I had to make some choices, because if I paid for parking, that means that I would have less money available for, uh, less money available for meeting somebody, whatever that means, in one of these places. Uh, hold on, I'm looking something up here real quick, because... I want to make sure that I get this right. Back in the, it's, anyways, I was walking around and I found, I think, parking off of like a street off the strip, the, the, the you know, Hollywood Boulevard off the strip, uh, that actually had just a little bit of uh, free parking. And I made my way past the Pantages Theater, past the Frolic Room, and into, I think, the corner of Hollywood and Vine or Ivar. I, I don't remember which one it is. Or at least it's the, 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 the strip club that I went to was sandwiched between those two. And I, the marquee said something along the lines of, and I'm, remain, I'm trying to remember, uh, like a thousands of beautiful girls and three ugly ones. And I like, ugh, well, okay. Again, I'm 18 year olds, y'all. So just chillax. And I'm like, well, all right, here we go. So, and I looked within it, and there were these like plexiglass uh, uh, walls that were at the front of the entrance. And then you looked inside it, and it was like this. There was red lighting through the the hallway that actually get, put you at the real entrance to the club. And so you would have to make your way through this, you know, runway up to it. And as I was stepping closer and closer to being inside this place, I kept on getting more and more nervous about what am I doing? Is this right? What if somebody notices me? You know, do I look stupid going in with a coupon? Uh, am I going to be safe? What if somebody's bad in there? And all of these thoughts are going in my 18-year-old head. And finally, I reached the uh, box where there's a young woman there uh, who's, you know, you have to pay to get in. And I hand over my coupon and I recall distinctly that she rolled her eyes. She looked at me, skinny, tiny, little old me, and the coupon that I was handing her. And she's like, you enjoy yourself. There's a drink minimum. Have a good time. Don't touch the girls or something along those lines and, and make your way in. And I thought, wow, okay, made that first hurdle. And so finally, I go in through these black drapes into into the uh where all the stages are and i realized that other than maybe about 10 dudes there is nobody else in there there are no girls walking around the place it's just me and these 10 guys and we're just kind of all staring into nothing and you know there's these older 40 somethings <laughs> some my age guys i think who are there just kind of waiting and waiting and there's music playing and it's there's this funky smell coming from the back that I can't really quite make out and then a booming voice from above uh, starts to introduce the next girl who other than remembering that she was much older than I was I don't have any recollection whether she was blonde brunette or anything along those lines uh, but they announce her and she makes her way on the, to the main stage and I don't sit right at it. I take a seat, you know, maybe 10 feet away just to watch from afar because I don't know what the interactions are like. I don't know what's expected. And 
but the the other guys then make they, they're they do make at least two or three of them make their way towards the main stage and they sit at the foot of it and they have this you know view like you're looking at the Venus de Milo <laughs> and they're looking at this one you know who's hovering right above them and she starts doing her dance and I I'm more interested in the interaction eyes wise that she's having with these men than what she actually looks like and that's always been my problem sometimes is that I that I pay attention to the nuances, not to the whole, and so I'm looking at what, she, what she's wearing, and, and, and I'm sorry that she's older, that you know, yes, is what she's wearing, but that her shoes I think were tattered and, and, and look a little bit older, uh, and she's smiling, but there's a this is me, this is Hugo noticing things that there's a hint of boredom in her smile. That there is eye contact, but it's very superficial, and that the moves are not like ballet; they're more robotic. And in a certain sadness hit me. That's all I can recall, really, because I didn't stay there long. As a matter of fact, because I felt it, and it had something to do with the fact that I had nothing in common with the person up on the stage. And I certainly had nothing in common with the people on you know that were looking at her other than the fact that somehow we all found ourselves at this place around four o'clock on a Wednesday, let's say. So that's the only thing that we have in common right now. Other than that, there's nothing really for me here. And although I, of course, uh, it's, she's, she's lovely and, 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 she, and, and there's the curves, I think. But there's nothing that's really drawing me to this person because the connection is not real. And mind you, I don't judge if somebody does that for a living. I think that as long as you're not breaking the law, that if there's a market for something, you should do it. And I, I don't place judgment on, on, on folks that do that, male or female. Again, again, if there's a market for it, you should be allowed to do it and then charge whatever you, you, know, you want for it. Um, I'm, I'm cool with that. But it does didn't have the emotional uh, requirement that I need for it to be uh, tantalizing, and so I sat there and I, I started looking at the surroundings and I started to see, you know, the place for what it was, and I thought I don't belong here. I there's nothing for me here, and I will say that that lasted again about twenty minutes and I left. And now, mind you, over the years, I have gone back to other strip clubs. I've even back to this strip club. I had a friend who had a bachelor party and who wanted to go to this place. And then there's other. I've been to fancier, you know, clubs and and whatnot, mostly because of bachelor parties and friends that I've that I've hung out with. But they've never been my thing. And I think a lot, a big part of it is, is that again, I'm no prude. I, trust me, I love the female form, but it's in in the interaction where I get most of my charge, right? Um, that's to a certain degree why still the, the sexiest person that I know happens to be my other half because it's in the interactions that we find that that I find so much heat and, and explosiveness and, and attraction and want. And the, the, it's the eye contact and the exchange of touches. And even when I do flirt with other people, and yes... I flirt with other people because I'm 
alive and human. It doesn't need to be a means to an end. It just it's an interaction. But it's that that aspect of trading barbs and and being witty and and the exchange of glances and that transitory moment where there's a recognition that hey, you're a cute fella or you know you're a cute person, like a cute girl. I like you. You're nice. Whatever. Anyways, my whole point in 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 this story is saying that I discovered then really that I'm really about the interactions with people that that's what I care about that is what I like that is what I enjoy that is why whenever I sit here and and I talk to you all I always imagine is standing in front of a friend or sitting in front of a friend and just exchanging and trying to draw you into my stories and also for it to spark questions and to spark an interaction so Today is Sunday. Uh, part of the reason why I think why I started to think of that is that I had to drop off my wife at LAX. She is gone for several days at a convention, at a conference. And so I happened to be near La Cienega and drove by an old strip club that has now been since torn down. And now there's like a jack in the one of those hamburger places. And I, I kind of, you know, it's one of those things where I remember the signage and in and I remember, like, oh, that's where that place used to be. And it remi- it reminds me of the late 90s, early 2000s, when I used to go to LAX all the time for flights and travel for business, and that that place is no longer there. And now they're, now they're selling hamburgers out of, out of the same spot. And it kind, of, it kind of makes me miss those old signage kind of things that we used to have. But, hey, I get it. You know, there's probably more money in fast food. That is my talk to you all for this Sunday, June, uh, July 15, 2018. What do you think? Have you, you don't have to tell me, but do you like the strip club kind of scene? Do you enjoy it? Uh, are you, do, you, do you work in one? What's, what do you think about that kind of place? Hey, what are some of the interesting stories that you've seen, good or bad? I want to know. Anyways, peace to you.